0: This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner, Unplugged.
1: Welcome to episode 49 of The Middle Unplugged, a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and the far right and try to carve out some time for a less shrill and less extreme and generally less angry conversation. I don't think I'm the only one, but I really like debates. They work for me on a few levels. I like to try to discern strategies of the candidates, what they think they have to accomplish, and how they go about doing it. I like to also see the tells about how candidates feel about each other, the subtle and sometimes not-so-subtle body language and just language language that reveals things. So I'll be watching the second Republican debate tonight. You may be also. But I really can't help you if you want me to tell you that this is a newsworthy event in our shared civic lives. It won't be. It will help us learn who the folks on the stage think is doing well. I've always believed that far more telling than public polls are the words and actions of the candidates in a race. If Ramaswamy starts to attack Nikki Haley tonight, as I expect he will, it'll confirm that what they think is also what I suspect, that Haley is having a moment. She's performed well in public polls since the last debate and is one of the best head-to-head candidates when matched up with Joe Biden, despite the fact that she's not very well known. I won't be particularly interested in looking at how they might do against Joe Biden, any of these candidates, because recently it seemed even more obvious than ever that Donald Trump will be that candidate. Big super PACs for other candidates are either running out of money or giving up. Individual big donors who've been public about supporting not-Trump have started to make their public apologies to him. And the polls are showing fewer and fewer undecided voters moving anywhere but to Donald Trump. In fact, the counterprogramming of the visits by Trump and Biden to Michigan is probably going to overshadow the debate and reinforce the idea that the folks on the stage are the undercard for the week. By the way, talking about candidate strategy, I love this matchup, Trump v. Biden on talking about unions and working people. Middle-class, working guy, Scranton Joe Biden, literally walking a picket line yesterday was pretty amazing. The fact that Trump said he was going first, he's speaking in Michigan today, actually makes it better. Oh, yeah? You want to talk about the plight of the working man? Anytime, anywhere, Chicky. That's how I imagine Biden talks. Union membership may not be what it was, but unions are popular and the UAW uh, workers have the support of like 70% in recent polls. Yet in a play to their donor class, Republicans have been doing what they know best, trying to make pro-union a liability. And they're failing at it so badly that the Biden campaign made an ad about it using their own words. When
0: you have a president that's constantly saying, go union, go union, this is what you get. The unions get emboldened and then they start asking for things.
2: The first bill he passed had $86 billion for union pensions. This
0: president clearly does prioritize union jobs. And he's made very clear here that union workers deserve more, that their pay increases have not come close
1: to the success and the money that all of these auto companies have enjoyed. I did an hour of the, on this on Saturday on The Middle. It's worth a listen. And what is the Trump line on the strike? Listen to this.
0: Let's talk about the economy. And I want to start by talking about this big standoff between the auto workers and the big three auto manufacturers. Yeah. My question for you, Mr. President, whose side are you on in this? Uh, I'm on the side of uh, making our country great. Uh, the auto workers uh, are not going to have any jobs when you come right down to it, because if you take a look at what they're doing with electric cars, electric cars are going to be made in China. The auto workers are not going to have any. I'll tell you what the auto workers are being sold down the river by their leadership and their leadership should endorse trump the reason is you got to have choice like in school i want school choice i also want choice for cars if somebody wants gasoline if somebody wants all electric they can do whatever they want but they're destroying the consumer and they're destroying the auto workers the auto workers will not have any jobs kristen because the all of these cars are going to be made in china
1: in addition to not saying the obvious thing i'm on the side of the workers of america He then says that defeatist thing. The United States workers will lose to China in this electric car race. Putting aside that there's never been a Chinese car company that has been even close to anything the big three have made, how do you think it lands with workers to hear a presidential candidate say that they're doomed to be losers? I not only like the politics of this showdown for Joe Biden, but the substance of it is real important. Make this campaign about the concentration of wealth and the greed of corporations, and the 10% of the country that constitute 90% of the gains when companies invest in stocks and stock buybacks and dividends rather than worker wages and benefits. Yeah, it's that important. Like I said, I did a good part of the episode this weekend on the radio about this fight. I got a bit of flack about it because I insisted that callers who wanted to complain about how senators were dressed that they had to tell me when they called also which side they were on in this actually important debate. But now, back to the less important one. In addition to watching their moves in conflict to each other, I'm also on the lookout tonight for how the vice presidential race is going. Haley, Scott, and Vivek are running for president, but they're really trying to make themselves viable to be picked by Trump. Unlike DeSantis, who Trump hates, Christie, who is running as the anti-Trump, and Pence, who is both disliked by the Trump base and seems to dislike them, the other three have good arguments to be veep. Haley is a woman from a southern state who was largely steered clear of, of criticizing Trump except with her very presence in the race. That may seem insulting to him. She said she wouldn't run against him and then obviously she did. Another strike against her is that if Trump wants to choose a woman, there are others way dumber than Haley that he could choose, something I'm sure that someone with Trump's insecurities would find more attractive. Tim Scott is also from South Carolina and also from a group that Trump may feel he can grow with, African Americans. By the way, Trump is smart not to give up on minority voters. Scott has done little to distinguish himself as a presidential candidate, and Trump may like that, in fact. And Vivek's path to vice president, his spot is sheer, unadulterated, and borderline, you obsequitous sucking up to Trump. It won't be enough to actually get the pick. He is, after all, named Ramaswamy, and there's no way a racist like Trump would ever go that far. So the stage is half Veep candidates and half candidates who won't win, but are at least trying to. Doug Burnham fans, I see you. Your candidate, however, I just haven't seen As I was thinking about this dynamic, I realized there is a way that this debate could be most useful. Ask them what they think of Donald Trump's proposals. For one half of the stage, it'll be a chance to differentiate differentiate themselves. And the other half, it'll be an interesting litmus test for just how far they're willing to go to agree with the orange Florida defendant number 494751 or whatever his number is. You could devote an entire debate to this because, in case you haven't noticed, Donald Trump has said some real mm, interesting things on the campaign trail. If Fox News wants to have a debate that actually sheds some light while also acknowledging that the likely nominee is not in the room, putting Trump's idea up for up and down votes by the rest of the field, that would be interesting. Here are some ideas for consideration. How about Trump's idea on how to deal with homelessness? We'll ban urban camping
0: wherever possible. Violators of these bans will be arrested, but they will be given the option to accept treatment and services if they're willing to be rehabilitated. Many of them don't want that, but we'll give them the option. We will then open up large parcels of inexpensive land, bring in doctors, psychiatrists, social workers, and drug rehab specialists and create 10 cities where the homeless can be relocated and their problems identified. But we'll open up our cities again, make them livable and make them
1: beautiful. This is sort of the essence of the simpleton that he is. Round them up and move them to 10 cities uh, somewhere. When you play that cut for the candidates, does anyone suggest that we don't have, uh, you know, maybe we don't have a homeless roundup force, nor do we have a law that would compel them to go? And by the way, where exactly do you plan on making these camps where you concentrate the homeless? See what I'm doing there? Or perhaps we could ask the candidates about Trump's idea about how to deal with drug addiction.
0: We're going to be asking everyone who sells drugs, gets caught selling drugs, to receive the death penalty for their heinous acts, because it's the only way. We're going to be asking everyone who sells drugs, gets caught selling drugs, to receive the death penalty for their heinous acts, because
1: it's the only way. Let's see how any of them Those running for vice president or those running to actually take President Trump down or former vice president former President Trump down. Let's see if any of them point out how long a process it would be to have the death penalty trials and appeals for every single drug case in America. Or if any of them call out Trump for not understanding that 95% of drug cases are not federal crimes anyway, and that you would need to change the laws in the states that don't have death penalty, penalty statutes for drug dealers, which I think is like all of them. or maybe we can ask the candidates for president if they agree with the idea of seizing the endowments of private universities if they're not nice enough to white people. Listen to this.
0: Furthermore, I will direct the Department of Justice to pursue federal civil rights cases against schools that continue to engage in racial discrimination and schools that persist in explicit, unlawful discrimination under the guise of equity will not only have their endowments taxed, but through budget reconciliation, I will advance a measure to have
1: them fined up to the entire amount of their endowment. Taxing endowments, firing them for being too woke, quite a small government solution you have there. But if taxing tax-exempt organizations is on the table, can we have a little chat about the NRA? On the foreign policy side, would Nikki Haley and Vivek agree that with Trump on how to settle this little matter of the ground war raging in Europe between an ally and an enemy of the United States?
0: I will end that war in one day. It'll take 24 hours. I know Zelensky well. I know Putin well. I would get that ended in a you period can, of— You can break that deal. hundred percent. It would be easy. That deal would be easy. A lot of it has to do with the money. A lot of it has to do with the military, you know, that yeah. we're giving— but I would get that deal done w-
1: within 24 hours. Ah, yes. A lot has to do with the the money and, quote, military that, you know, we're giving. Maybe the question can be in the form that he used to use on Name That Tune. I can see Tom, Tim Scott saying, yes, Jim, I can end that war in 23 hours. Trump has now said that formulation of an answer about a dozen times. When will we hear more about this plan of his? If only there had been journalists around when he said this. Wait, what? Oh, there was a reporter there, and they didn't ask him to explain? Oh, how surprising. Well, never mind. But certainly, if someone asks tonight, at least one candidate will suggest this is not a serious answer to perhaps the most serious challenge facing the next president. Maybe when he is done ending the war in 24 hours, perhaps he can bring back God. Yep. Yep. That's another of his proposals.
0: Listen. To traditional religious teachings, under my leadership, we will bring back God to our schools and our public
1: squares. Okay. Show of hands. Which of you is in favor of bringing back God? Come on, you say you want to be president and you don't have a position on God vis-a-vis bringing her back to some public square somewhere? Actually, this question has a certain genius to it. Sort of like, when did you stop beating your wife? If they want to bring back God, does that mean that God has somehow been gone from our schools and our public squares? Where did he go? Isn't God everywhere always? Come on, Pence. You seem really close to God. Is he really waiting to be invited someplace and not others? Oh, there are more. Ending the constitutional right to citizenship with an executive order. The death penalty for General Milley. Requiring federal employees to take a patriotism exam. Tell me this wouldn't be the most useful and interesting way to spend a couple of hours. Maybe we could do a handful with the one like those lightning rounds, show of hands or yes or no answers. It would be fun. By a show of hands, how many of you think this is insane? I will fight for the
0: direct election of school principals by parents so
1: that if you have a lousy
0: principal and you got some beauties out there, but if you have a bad principal who's not getting the job done, the parents will, under the Trump administration, be allowed to vote
1: to fire that principal to select someone who will do a great job. Ah, yes. Annual elections for every school principal. Genius. So that's my idea for the debate tonight. Make it fun and informative. And while you're at it, we can introduce America to what they have to look forward to if Trump gets the keys to the White House again. And we'll be right back with Ask Anthony Anything.
0: Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org.
1: Welcome back. Before I catch you up on what's happening in Congress, let me give you an update on what is not happening in Congress. It says here that because the Republicans in the House have not humiliated their speaker enough and have not been seen fit to stand up to their nihilists, the government will shut down in a few days. But that doesn't mean they aren't doing anything. Oh, no. They're having hearings to prepare to have more hearings on the impeachment of Joe Biden. They announced their first panel of (laughs) experts to try to make something out of something enough to maybe have a hearing about removing the president. But this week on Ask Anthony Anything, we have another chapter in people on Fox accidentally doing a pretty good job. In this case, it's Brian Kilmeade, who is also a very fine host of a very fine program here on 77 WABC. He had a golden opportunity to finally confirm the biggest and really only concrete allegation of misdeeds by Joe Biden. You see, Joe Biden, when he was vice president, worked on Ukraine policy. As part of that job, he was the mouthpiece for U.S. policy that wanted Ukraine to do more to get rid of corruption in its ranks. One corrupt guy that the United States wanted to get rid of was a fellow named Viktor Shokin who was supposed to be in charge of cracking down on corruption, but instead was himself very corrupt. This was the view, getting rid of Shokin, of the Europeans, of most Ukrainians, of the Ukrainian parliament, and importantly, of a bipartisan Ukraine caucus of the United States Congress, Republicans and Democrats both. They wanted to get rid of this guy Shokin. But Fox News and their monkeys in Congress have tried to weave another story, that Joe Biden was not acting out national policy, but he was acting on behalf of an energy company called Burisma, who had been investigating by Shokin. Burisma had hired Hunter Biden to be on its board. See here? Okay, so what is the Ask Anthony that this week? Well, it's even better than asking me. Brian Kilmeade had the chance to finally get to the bottom of this by interviewing the former president of Ukraine, Petro Poroshenko. Take a listen to how this went. I had a chance to talk to uh, Victor Shokin, a man who says uh, he was uh, friends of yours, who you asked uh, to come back and help out during the transition uh, after the previous regime. Here's what he said on why he was fired by you. Listen,
2: Poroshenko fired me at the insistence of the then-Vice President Biden because I was investigating Burisma.
0: There were no complaints whatsoever, no problems with how I was performing at uh, my job, but because pressure was repeatedly put on President Poroshenko, that is uh, what ended up in uh, him firing me.
1: Is that why he got fired because of the billion dollars and the the, the former Vice President now President?
2: First of all, this is the completely crazy person, and this is something wrong with him. Second, there is no one single word of truth. And third, I hate the idea to com- to make any comments and to make an, any intervention in the American election. We have very much enjoyed the bipartisan support, and uh, please do not use the such person like shocking to undermine the trust between bipartisan support and Ukraine.
0: Right. Uh, What do you mean? He's not your friend?
2: I don't see him maybe four years or something at all. And hate the idea to have him because he play very dirty game, unfortunately.
1: Okay. so that is not true. You didn't you. He didn't get fired because of Joe
2: Biden. He was fired because of his own statement. And if he do not do that next day, Ukrainian parliament will fire him with that.
1: All right, uh, Mr. President, thanks so much. Stay safe. Uh, best of luck along the way in this counterinsurgency. Hope you make some big progress through the, rest of the, uh, through the rest of the fall. Thank you, sir. So let me summarize. Hey, can you confirm that up is down? Oh, no, you fool. Up is not down. And anyone who thinks that is also a fool. By the way, you didn't see the, the, you might not have seen this in the cut, but Poroshenko was laughing at the very question. So why is this a big deal? It's not really. The ability of Fox and Comer and Jordan and these other guys to try to rewrite this affair is limitless because it has to be. Without this, Biden got someone fired who was investigating his son, Kennard. There is nothing but emails about the big guy. Well, I really do appreciate you joining me again on The Middle Unplugged. Next week, we'll be back with another episode. Maybe we'll have a review if anything interesting happens in that debate tonight. I also want to encourage you to download and subscribe to my other podcast, which is called The Middle. The Middle and The Middle Unplugged come in different feeds. And The Middle is a little bit different because we take calls. It's a radio show. And that's the way the feedback happens. If you'd like to be part of the feedback to this program, you can do it a couple of ways. One, you can reach out to me at weinerwabc at gmail.com or at repweiner, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R on Twitter. I think it's Anthony D. Weiner on threads and on Facebook or several uh, podcast platforms. You can leave comments and I try to read those as best I can. It's really been great having you along. The program's been doing very well with all of your support, and for that, I'm grateful. I want to thank you again for joining us, and this marks the end of The Middle Unplugged.